Are you ready to take your leadership and your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate, evolve, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world. And you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf, the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates and the Innovative Leadership Institute. I work with leaders and their organizations identifying the trends that will most likely disrupt their business and develop business strategies and business and leadership practices to leverage those trends to create strategic advantage. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also an adjunct faculty member in universities in the U.S. and Germany. We talk about the rate of change we're seeing in our world. According to Ray Kurzweil, renowned researcher at Google, we anticipate 20,000 times the rate of technology change in this century than we saw in the last century. As leaders, that means we need to continue to update how we lead, actually changing our mindsets and behaviors as leaders to ensure that we can transform the organizations we lead so that they are sustainable and relevant. Truly efficient and effective leaders continue to innovate who they are as well as what they do and how they run their organizations. One of the very positive changes we see is conscious capitalism. So today we're joined by Mark Kovacevic. He's the president of North American Operations for Improving an International Leader in Delivering Technology, Consulting, and Training. He's responsible for operations, execution, corporate integration, and implementation of Improving's vision and purpose. Through a combination of excellence, involvement, and dedication, coupled with adoption of conscious capitalism as Improving's operating philosophy, Improving has enjoyed great success becoming a nine-time recipient of Inc. 500 5000 Award and recognized as the best place to work in each of the markets that they serve. And I'll ask Mark to explain what those awards mean. So part of my goal in creating this show is to provide a reasonable depth of information to our listeners so that you can do exactly what I talked about, make the changes in your mindset and your behavior to stay current. So I know that some organizations offer very short snippets, and it's my belief that we don't make changes based on surface recommendations, but rather a deeper dive that gives you sufficient information to know how to change and what's worthy of changing and and what's bad. So in times where people are questioning capitalism as a concept, and our younger workforce is demanding an opportunity to bring purpose and meaning into their work, we want to explore how this is happening successfully in our current organizations. Mark will talk about what he's done to bring successful capitalism and consciousness together to build a business that is both profitable and socially conscious. And you are right that this is such an important movement right now. So we'll talk about what is conscious capitalism. And I also want to combine that with the awards you're winning at improving and how does using conscious capitalism principles enable you to to win those awards and deliver great services to clients. So let's start with how did you get started in your industry and with conscious capitalism? So from the industry perspective, you know, I, I, w- I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. I came down to uh, Ohio State to pursue aeronautical engineering. I was going to fly airplanes. That's, okay. That was kind of what I was what I was kind of coming down here to. But in the meantime, as I kind of went through through um, college, I discovered computers and I started getting into programming and I started understanding what I could do with computers to make software development and to make programs and things like that. And it became a passion of mine uh, so much so that uh, I ended up launching a professional career around software development, and then eventually founding an organization in Columbus called the Sofit Group. Uh, the Sofit Group existed for about five years, uh, successfully exited to improving. Okay. 
And it was interesting in that as we met improving, uh, obviously out of Dallas, Texas, and we're in Columbus, Ohio, so that's quite a far distance, but it was actually an introduction from a mutual friend. And the introduction wasn't based on what we did, but how we did it. Okay. And we were both kind of operating in a give kind of mindset. You know, we were sharing our knowledge, we were being generous with the communities, and, and we were kind of focused on more than just the programming aspects of it and more than just delivering mm -hmm. services, but how it how it worked in, in terms of a broader context around the world. And, and that's kind of where conscious capitalism kind of started to creep in. Okay. So you had a give mindset. You did, a, as the leader of the Sofit group, founder of that, and Improving did. So let's, for our listeners who are less familiar with conscious capitalism, can you define it? What what does this mean? Because I think some of us hear the terms and have mis misconceptions. Right. So at its root, conscious capitalism's purpose is to elevate humanity through business. Okay. And it's got a little bit of a loaded term in there, which is capitalism. Right? Or in, conscious. <laughs> or conscious, yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> but like capitalism can have a, a negative connotation. But the conscious capitalism movement believes that business can be a profound force for good. So the movement's been around for 10 years. It kind of started in a book that was written by John Mackey, who's the CEO of Whole Foods, and Raj Sisodia, who's an academic and author as well. And they kind of put together this concept around conscious capitalism. And what, what it is at its very root is there's four pillars that kind of go into a conscious business. The first and, and probably the most important one, I'll start with that, is a higher purpose. And really what that means is it's, it's a perfect purpose beyond profit. So as organizations move into the next generation or the next phase of business, what, what are they doing beyond just making money? And Maureen, you had mentioned that the workforce, the workforce is changing a little bit. As millennials and other individuals kind of move into the workforce, they're looking for something to have meaning to them, right? And conscious capitalism and its, its um, dedication to higher purpose kind of ties into that. You know, you want to go up, go to work to do more than just collect a paycheck. Even, even at, at all levels, whether it's in, in a blue-collar environment or a white-collar environment, I think having a purpose beyond just collecting a paycheck is really inspiring to a lot of individuals. And then it moves into stakeholder orientation. And the stakeholder orientation is a focus on the ecosystem that surrounds the business. So, for example, a stakeholder could be the employees. It could also be the employees' families. It could be the community at large. It could be the industry that you serve. It could also be shareholders who are always part of a stakeholder orientation. Mm -hmm. But the way the stakeholder model works is it doesn't present as the shareholder as the primary focus. When I went to business school, it was kind of drilled into my head that a corporation exists to serve as shareholders. Make a profit. Make a profit. Make money. Right? Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. But... We believe, and, and from a conscious capitalism perspective, that the shareholders are just one of many stakeholders. And what this stakeholder orientation does is it, it's like a meaning mechanism, meaning making mechanism for the business that allows you to align your decisions. Mm -hmm. Then you move on to conscious culture, which is the interconnection of people, purpose, and process. And it really strives to develop a culture within the business of connectedness, right? Are you connected to the purpose? Are you connected to one another? Are you holistically connected to what the organization is trying to do beyond just making money? And then finally, it dips into conscious leadership, which personally I defined as, as servant leadership, um, which is a, kind of an abstract concept, but what it effectively means is you serve, therefore you lead, right? As opposed to pointing in the direction and saying, hey, everybody go over there. It's more, hey, mm -hmm. everybody follow me. We're going over there. And it's really more of a culture of we rather than mm -hmm. me. Or a culture of do what I tell you to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because a culture of do what I tell you to do might get compliance, but it doesn't get ownership, right? Mm -hmm. And the most creative, most passionate, most amazing breakthroughs within business come from ownership, owning the problem, creating the solution, not simply complying with the directive. 
You know, one of the things we talk about in the Leader 2050 model is inspiring followership. And I inspire by building trust, by being trustworthy, by making the same changes that I'm asking my team to make. So I'm, I truly model, and that requires an ongoing awareness and humility and introspection and admitting I'm wrong when I make a mistake. It's a very different way of being than many of our leaders were taught. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that we like to say is be the change you want to see in the world, mm-hmm. right? And and I think you touch on an interesting point about fellowship. Mm-hmm. In my view, in order to be an exceptional servant leader, you have to be an exceptional servant follower, right? And, and that doesn't mean blindly following without questioning, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but rather having the humility to accept the decision that has been made and executing it to the best of your ability, right? It's, so it's, it's a little bit different, and I think that plays into servant leadership and conscious leadership as a whole. Yeah, even being an executive, we're still following decisions other people make often. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, when I first started the, my business here in Columbus, uh, a mentor of mine came to me and said, I hope you're not doing this to be your own boss because <laughs> you're, <such> a fallacy. <laughs> you are going to have so many bosses once you start to grow. And I embrace that. And I think that's mm-hmm. a great thing because it's the way that we, we are as conscious leaders. One thing I like to tell um, improvers is that when someone comes to work with us, they're effectively taking their ambitions, their dreams, their aspirations, and they're putting them in a little box and they're giving it to us as leaders to hold. Mm. Now, our responsibility as leaders is to return that box to them at a time of their choosing. More full. More full. Definitely do no harm, but more full is definitely the goal. I love that. I've never heard anyone use that example, but it's a brilliant illustration of the stewardship that, that goes with leading, that if we're doing it well, we are attending to our people as whole human beings and concurrently attending to our other stakeholders. Absolutely. And that's that's really why the stakeholder orientation of the conscious capitalism model is so important. Because like I had described it, it's that decision-making mechanism or meaning-making model that allows us to establish uh, multiple wins, right? And, and, and when we really put our focus on that, you can kind of change the equation and get rid of the or, Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can have this or that and make it more into of this and that, which I believe has better outcomes for everyone that's involved mm-hmm. in the business ecosystem. And yet you're balancing all the same stuff that other businesses do, right? That we charge this much, we have to pay salaries, we're paying for office space, if we charge more, our clients leave, all that stuff. So how is using conscious capitalism How does that look different than a traditional I'm in it for the money business? So some of the differences are from a day-to-day operations perspective, I think it's really important for the leadership of the organization to be committed to this philosophy. And that can be hard. You know, you mentioned the competitive pressures, the payroll, the salaries, charging, price modeling. None of those things go away. And that's the underlying basis of my question is if they don't go away – How, for you as a leader, is it different? So what it does is it it changed our orientation in a couple different ways. I'll touch on it from a cultural perspective, Mm -hmm. right? Improving, we have a commitment to providing a place for individuals to learn and grow. That kind of goes back to a little bit about that uh, that little dream Mm -hmm. box analogy Mm -hmm. that I had shared with you. And what we've done is we've created a learning ecosystem inside of Improving called Improving You, which Mm -hmm. is a series of courses that are from professional perspective, from a technology perspective, not necessarily from a like a programmer, but whatever mm-hmm. your expertise is, and then into personal. And each one of these sessions, we run two sessions per year. They're approximately, oh gosh, 12 to 14 courses. And some of these courses mm-hmm. can run as long as 13 weeks. Now that is our own commitment. We commit time to invest in this because we know we're hitting that, that stakeholder of our improvers 
really, really well and benefiting them. And we also know that by doing that, we're going to benefit the technology industry because now we've got better consultants out there that can go on and take the knowledge that they've learned and they've gained and shared that with the industry. And then we've got our client component of that stakeholder model. And our clients are now experiencing better professional service because we've committed to investing in this program and building up this program. And it's holistically benefited that entire business ecosystem. So we're going to go on break here, but let me just play back. So it sounds like conscious capitalism is encouraging you to make investments in employees that impact the entire ecosystem. And that is a beautiful example of one of the things that makes it different. So we will be back momentarily. Mark Kovacevic and Maureen Metcalf talking about conscious capitalism. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Metcalf & Associates is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and business. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, Metcalf & Associates has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the perpetual capacity to identify and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. Metcalf & Associates offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com today. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-294. 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. You're joining Maureen Metcalf and Mark Kovacevic, and we're talking about conscious capitalism. So before break, we talked a little bit about what is different with conscious capitalism than traditional capitalism. And you gave the example of improving you and how that impacts internal employees and specifically building skills enables them to do more effective work and also build themselves and be more competent over the time they've worked with you rather than depreciating in their competence. How about the stakeholders? How does this impact your stakeholders? Because you're investing and spending money on this stuff. Absolutely. So that's kind of how we shape our internal uh, approach to one of one of the many ways that we, we do. And that's really a conscious culture thing. But from a stakeholder orientation perspective, one of the things that we do in every one of our offices is we open up our space. And by that, I mean we open up our space to 
other professional organizations, other community-centered organizations and nonprofits, mm. other technology special interest groups. And we open that space up for them to have a place where they can gather. We'll provide pizza, we'll provide refreshments, and we'll host them as a way of giving back to the community. And and what that does for us from a business perspective, here's where here's where conscious capitalism gets really, really neat to me, is this this particular instance is a really, really great alignment of the conscious and the capitalism component to it. Okay. You know, nonprofits typically struggle for space or to hold board meetings or to do various things. So by opening this up, we allow them to succeed in their mission and their vision by supporting them. And like I said, we also provide a lot of refreshments and, and we'll host them. But then we have special interest groups that are aligned with our consultants and our practitioners and we host them and it creates this symbiotic education system between the community and improving. And what it ends up doing is it just raises our business awareness, our brand awareness in each one of our markets, and it gives our internal improvers an opportunity to be proud of the organization that they work for and to be represented and to share their space from that ownership perspective with the rest of their community that they're passionate about. So again, as we talk about the ecosystem, you've created a culture of education for your employees that they continue to, to improve and serve their clients better and also the community where you're bringing them together to allow the nonprofits and others, other for-profits I'm assuming, and things like meetups that if I work for you, I, I'm proud of the organization I work for. And as we talk about now circling back to the Inc. 500 Award, how does that tie? I'm, I'm assuming the things you're talking about here are also the foundation for winning those awards. So it's from the Inc. 500, 5,000 Award. Or 5,000, sorry. So we are one of, I think it's only like, um, I think it's only like 80 organizations in the history of this award have won it nine consecutive times. Wow. And that's something that we are incredibly proud of. But we believe that that is through, first off, our guiding principles of excellence, involvement, and dedication. And you can kind of see how that aligns with conscious capitalism mm -hmm. as our operating philosophy and our higher purpose. And I believe that that has really sprung us to these levels by adhering to a higher purpose and a higher calling beyond just looking for profits. And I 100% believe that by creating a conscious culture through conscious leadership while serving a higher purpose with the stakeholder model has led to our best places to work awards. In Columbus, we Columbus improving has had eight best places to work awards. And right now, I think we're current that improving is currently the number two ranked place to work in Ohio. So, mm. and, and this permeates through the Twin Cities in another office, all through the state of Texas with our offices in Dallas and Houston and um, College Station. Each one of those geographies has experienced this. And when Improving was, when, I, when the organization I founded joined Improving in late 2010, we were approximately a $9 million organization as a combined entity. Today in um, 2018, we have a run rate of over $70 million. So this growth has been extraordinary, and we really attribute it to those guiding principles of which conscious capitalism plays a significant role in. So as we're looking at right now, tight labor markets really challenged. I run an IT leaders group, and what I heard this morning is, in essence, if you are in technology, there's zero unemployment. And one of the comments was, if you're good, and, and the response was actually, no, if you can breathe and you have some technology skills, most likely you're able to get employed. So in that environment, the competition for talent is hot. What you're doing, and the, not only are you able to attract them, I'm assuming your t retention rates are higher and your engagement rates are higher. So people come, they stay, so your recruiting cost is lower, your turnover cost is lower. And engagement, if I'm 100% engaged rather than 30% engaged in some cases, the productivity's got to be significantly higher. Maureen, you hit on all of the key 
points right there. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about retention. In our business, it's very common to have 25% workforce turnover mm -hmm. on a year-over-year -year basis. Some of our offices experience less than five over a given period of year. And as a collective, our retention is better than 90%. We actually measure engagement on a monthly basis with each one of our enterprises independently. And the way that we kind of gauge engagement is, is two ways. We have something that's called our EIP program, which is our involvement program. And mm -hmm. what it does is we track how engaged each individual is in managing their career and growing within improving. Mm -hmm. And we actually attribute a financial consideration to that level of involvement and recognition. And we track this and measure this monthly and we, we capture just enormous amounts of data about our own improver satisfaction. We've developed a new career path that is in line with conscious capitalism from a philosophy. We actually built a career path that looks very similar to a stakeholder model. How are you serving the community? How are you serving the clients? How are you serving your network? How are you serving your family? And we build this out and we take each improver through that to align action items for the next 90 days. So it's a deep, deep engagement model. And what we've seen this year, every single improver in every single office has been to a minimum of one company event each quarter. And over 90% have been to two or more. So we've got just a deep, deep buy-in. And I think that that really, really helps that retention. And you had mentioned this philosophy, the costs of talent acquisition are extraordinary, particularly in the labor markets that we're dealing with. So it's really helped us be able to manage that. So what it's done is it's allowed us to have less than industry average administrative costs and things of that nature because our costs of talent aren't nearly as high as some of the other enterprises or, or other competitors that exist for us. Coming out of Accenture during one of our fast growth periods, we had turnover of 25%. Same. And, and then we were growing, as you are. And so the cost was phenomenal to us as human beings because we had to work harder to continue to retrain. And it was, we were a great place to work, but our structure was you work here for a while, you get great training, and you go on and work for our clients and other places. So I, I want to be clear that I'm not saying it in any way was it a negative place but the model was kind of designed that way so th the combination of turnover and growth was not only expensive dollar wise but the impact on us those who stayed was significant because we were continually training our our team our peers our our the folks working for us and with us and in some cases above us. And so that turnover took a real toll on those who stayed. Yeah, and you kind of meant you kind of hit the um some of the tangible hard costs. The soft costs in there are to to me are just as important. You know, I'm I'm sure a lot of people have seen studies where your retention and your happiness and your productivity at work are significantly higher if you have one person you consider a great friend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And people don't work for companies. They work for people. They work for their bosses. They work for their peers. They work for their colleagues. And that, that sort of um, foxhole mentality mm -hmm. that gets established in any sort of business. And that's really, really important. And by limiting that retention, we kind of create those. One of our commitments is to build lifelong personal and professional friendships. That's a commitment from our leaders to the improvers. And each one of our leaders is looking to do that. And by creating this culture and creating these internal programs and adhering to conscious capitalism philosophies that helps us achieve that. So I want to repeat that back because it seems like such an important point and one that when I grew up, my first leadership role was with an accounting firm. And my job, we, we were doing some production kind of work. And my boss made clear that if people talked more than five minutes, I was to go make sure they stopped. So really, I was the talking police. Among other things, I actually did real work. But that was one of my roles, which felt awful. But the mentality at that point in time was if you're chatting, and frankly, I didn't know if they were talking about the work or not. But if you're chatting, it's taking money out of the client's pocket because we were charging our clients for this. And our job was to be good stewards of that client commitment. So this change that 
having a best friend at work, and that means different things to different people, really does impact our level of engagement dramatically. And so you're encouraging your leaders and your employees to develop those friendships, which again means, in some ways, it's not just happening over lunch. No, certainly not. So one of the things that you notice with the conscious capitalism movement is the word conscious is there persistently, <laughs> right? So this yeah. <laughs> it, it kind of screams intentionality. And what we do at improving to kind of establish that intentionality is we have some significant advanced leadership courses that we go through and we take our leaders through this. And these courses are really designed to inspire awareness amongst our leadership. And with awareness comes choice. Mm -hmm. And with choice, boy, the world just opens up to how you can maneuver with complex problems, right? But it, it really does start with awareness. And my guess is these friendships are formed not by just talking about football scores. We form friendships when we solve problems together, when we accomplish things that we didn't think were possible. So I have an assumption that, that the structure is such that people are put together. Actually, one of our interviews recently was with Life Care Alliance, who does Meals on Wheels. Okay. And one of the things they said they offer is putting people who don't know each other together on routes to deliver meals, that there are things like that, that we do something that's meaningful and we form friendship around that, not just we all sit around the break room and chat. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a number of conscientious things that we do to, to establish that, um, including something very similar to what you dis just described. You know, we encourage improvers to go out to lunch with one another. Mm -hmm. We encourage people to form book clubs. And, and, and this is like, this isn't even part of that improving you concept that I talked about, but just kind of ad hoc things that, that are among shared interests. Additionally, we have a year long, uh, a retreat once a year, where we gather all the improvers from all of the offices on, on an all expense paid trip and we do team building and when we start to do that we're conscientiously putting people in on different teams to build relationships between mm -hmm. offices between geographies and things like that and probably different functional units too absolutely without question so again it sounds very deliberate not just we say we want you to like each other so go buy pizza and be friendly it's it's so funny you you mentioned that when, when we put together this retreat it is it's kind of humorous because we as a management team, like when you're operating with two or 300 or more people, mm -hmm. fun doesn't just happen. It is deliberate. It is planned. And that's, mm -hmm. that's something that we actually, we spend a lot of time and put forth a lot of effort as leaders, like big leaders of this organization to develop those personal and professional friendships because that is one of the critical elements to our success. And again, just to reiterate that these things don't happen accidentally, right. that you are very conscious and planful. And I can't always guarantee what's going to come out of an event. But if I plan it in a way that is purposeful, the probability of the right outcome goes way up. And often, we, as someone who, again, runs leadership classes and stuff, we set up a lot of activities and sometimes they take an inordinate amount of time to plan so that they can look seamless and flow and the consciousness behind it is required. And I think you hit on you hit on a key word there, and that's probability. Doing all of these things that we're talking about from conscious capitalism, I can't sit here and say that, oh, if you do all this, you're going to be on the Inc. 500 or Inc. 5000. But what I can tell you, based off of the experience that we've had, that it increases the probability that you're going to create meaning with the individuals that are on the work journey with you. Mm -hmm. And it's going to increase the probability of better retention. It's going to increase the probability of higher satisfaction, both externally and internally. Mm -hmm. So it really is about putting in, putting these things in place to create the best chance of a great outcome. Perfect. With that, we're going to go on break. And when we come back, let's talk about some of the steps to some of the mistakes you've made and the benefits. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. 
The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Metcalf & Associates is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and business. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, Metcalf & Associates has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the perpetual capacity to identify and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. Metcalf & Associates offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com today. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. You are with Maureen Metcalf and Mark Kovacevich talking about conscious capitalism. So as we move into the final segment, I want to make sure we talk a little bit about how do you get there? Yeah, so getting getting there is, it is a journey. And it mm-hmm. is, I, I would never declare this as easy. You know, because I think you really have to, taking an organization, depending on how large you are or how established the business is, starting to move from a completely shareholder-driven model to developing a purpose can be really challenging. That being said, there are organizations that have overcome that and have done a spectacular job, in my opinion. Campbell's Soup is a fantastic example of an organization that went from selling really what could be considered like an iconic 70s and 80s product of canned condensed soup and transformed into a stakeholder-oriented model that is bringing fresh ingredients and fresh food to tables across the country. And that that was a substantial turnaround. And uh, there's a, there's been a lot of publicity around how they've been able to turn around this. Mm-hmm. But what it really started with is refining their purpose. Right? They were no longer going to just put soup on a shelf. They were going to feed Americans in a healthy manner, and they really changed their purpose. And, and so that's kind of the first step is to take a look at who the organization really is and find a way to internalize that purpose. Um, for us, what we did is we went away on a, on a retreat with really not a whole lot of set 
sort of agenda, but we kind of just what are our who are we as individuals? And we mm-hmm. came up with our th- with our three point identity of excellence, involvement, and dedication. And through that grew our purpose. So you really got to refine the purpose. The second step, and this is this one's a little more mechanical, but really establish a stakeholder orientation because that decision making model and meaning making model is will really help guide a conscious behaviors as you put forth mm-hmm. this through the organization. And a couple things to consider is in order for this change to stick, you have to be the change you want to see in the organization. So this is that idea that as leaders, it's not something we tell people to do. I have to change. You use the word meaning making. I change how I see things. Therefore, I change what I do. Absolutely. And and so often, you know, we as people, and, and I'm, I don't mean like us improvers, but like people in general, a lot of times we feel they have to change. They, the royal <laughs> they. Yeah, everyone it, but me. Everyone but me. And that's really, that won't that won't stick, right? And, and in that situation, you'll get compliance, mm-hmm. but not ownership. You have to be that change. And as you present this to your circle of leaders or leadership, I think it's important to suspend disbelief. And what I mean is oftentimes we can feel a, as business leaders or, or people within an organization victimized by the business, victimized by our clients, victimized by our customers. And you really have to suspend that disbelief and try to create a culture of imagination of what we can be. How can we elevate humanity through business? Because we have the power to do that. And you have to be willing to embrace that new reality and drive towards it. You know, one of the models we've talked about pretty regularly is this idea of vibrancy, and it comes from a consciousness of sufficiency, abundance, and not that we, not delusional sense of it, but that in the right context, we can innovate out of our problems. And that's what I hear more of that imagine and then do. So what's possible? What do I need to put in place to make that happen? And then do the work. There's nothing magical. It's just a bit of a reframe. This sounds like a bit of a reframe. As you're going through, I'm sure it feels like more than a bit of a reframe, but it's a reframe. Yeah, it does feel like more than a bit of a reframe. That's why I would never consider something like this easy. It is definitely messy because there's going to be emotion in it. You're effectively deconstructing what the business was and reconstructing it. People are going to have emotional ties to that because they've owned that thing. Anytime we change a job, people have, if my identity is doing a good job at this thing, and you change what it is, how it is, I now have to learn something new, but my identity being attached to excellence at my job is at risk. Absolutely. And I I think by having that culture of imagination and suspension of, of disbelief, and you have to have trust in the process that the leadership is going to be able to deliver this and that it's going to create a better future through the investment of time today. So it sounds like I also need to trust my leaders. Trust is is huge. In conscious capitalism and in improving, we actually have our number one job every day is to build trust. That's our mantra. And mm-hmm. that is what allows conscious capitalism to permeate because Improvers trust other improvers. We are both leaders. We are both followers. And it all stems from a point of trust. In fact, The Speed of Trust is a book by Stephen Covey Mm -hmm. that we Mm -hmm. actually have an improving you around. And we actually teach workshops around it because it's hugely important in order to get this philosophy permeated through our organization. So that sounds foundational. So you've given us the steps to implement. What are some of the challenges? And I heard it's not just a reframe. It's... It's changing how we see ourselves. It's changing how we do our work. It's pressing forward and trusting the process when we really want to go back to our desks, tell people what to do, and focus on the stakeholder. Absolutely. Or the stockholder. One of the biggest challenges we face is skepticism, both internally and externally. Mm -hmm. When we talk to individuals who are considering joining Improving, Mm -hmm. we get a lot of boy, that sounds really good, but this other company said the same thing, and this company said the same thing, and this company said the same thing. How do you guys walk your talk? And when you put forth a promise 
of trust changes everything that we do, and you don't execute on that, that's a scary promise to put out there. And we are exposed as leaders when we put forth this this promise. So the mm-hmm. skepticism is something that it, that is a big challenge. And we also face skepticism externally because we do have shareholders, mm-hmm. right? And we do have stakeholders and we do have clients. And when we have an improver that ha- says, hey, I'm going to have to leave an hour early because I have to go deliver this talk to the technology community. They have to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And how does that benefit them? And then we have then we get to have that conversation, which is wonderful. But it's it's still the skepticism. You know, um, one individual described conscious capitalism as not just crunchy granola to me, and I thought that was pretty <laughs> tongue in cheek because it is because it it is. A little bit different way of looking at capitalism. Mm-hmm. And while we are not out trying to save the world, we are trying to make the world a better place. So it is met with some skepticism. Another area where occasionally there's some resistance is in traditional businesses. Traditional businesses tend to be a little more transactional oriented. Mm-hmm. And conscious capitalism seeks to break that transactional model and create a new new way of doing business that sometimes can feel a little foreign I'm guessing it sometimes feels a lot foreign, and I'm guessing some leaders just opt out. You know what? It's interesting you mentioned that, because as we have become more in tune with our guiding principles and conscious mm-hmm. capitalism, we have actually experienced a little bit of that. It's hard to reflect on yourself and, and to reflect on the business and realize where you have gaps. It's it's hard. The ego is the ego is very very powerful <laughs> and does not want to be proven wrong, so mm-hmm. we resist that. And I think we need to be aware and we need to be conscious to accept our faults in order to take them in to make them better to represent them to the world. And it's it can be challenging. So in the last minute or so of this conversation, I'm also thinking that you hold each other accountable as leaders. That you have processes you use to help that I see a blind spot and how do we work together to give feedback appropriately yeah absolutely so we do a couple different things internally we use um, a tool called disk which Mm -hmm. gives us a communication mechanism so that we're able to accurately communicate with one another additionally we have each of our each of our leaders goes through that trust workshop and the speed okay. of trust that allows us a 360 review of how much trust we have mm-hmm. in the organization and within our peers that exposes us to some of those blind spots that, sh- that you had mentioned. Now, the one thing that we that we do, I think, exceptionally well is when we give conscious criticism, mm-hmm. we do it from a position of love and a position mm-hmm. of wanting to help and truly wanting each other to succeed as opposed to leveraging this mechanism as a weapon right Mm -hmm. it's really something we're very conscious about and and we Mm -hmm. have each other's best intent in mind which goes back to all the things you're talking about with regard to stewardship and truly caring having best friends at work in a professionally appropriate way absolutely so we've talked a lot about the content and how you've applied it at improving so let's do a run through again on the benefits and I understand there's a probability not a guarantee that if you do this it is likely that the outcomes you get will be positive so what are those benefits yeah absolutely so in the book conscious capitalism there's a number of business studies that are Mm -hmm. part of the abstract and I'll summarize just a couple of them here but effectively organizations that are operating in a a conscious manner are annually 12 percent more profitable than their peers who are not operating in a in a conscious manner which as you can extend out i mean that puts out that's 60 percent over five years in increased profitability which is extraordinary operating in conscious mind Conscious capitalism mindset also reduces your marketing costs because your brand awareness is being extended. So your traditional marketing costs tend to become a little bit less. Hmm. Uh, Your retention, both from an employee and from a client perspective, is dramatically increased, as well as the client's satisfaction. It's just holistically, it lowers costs, increases revenue, lowers turnover, creates healthier, happier, better improvers and better outcomes. Or, I'm sorry, improvers, employees. Employees. 
<laughs> and leaders, probably. Absolutely. Do you get poached? Uh, we get asked a lot. <laughs> okay. But no, our, our retention is fantastic. And a lot of times, and, and there's been instances where some of our best clients have came from attempts at poaching, where we'll have an improver that's out there in the community doing a talk on a particular mm-hmm. technology that gets approached by someone who says, hey, we want to build a team like that. And says, well, listen, I love improving. How about we build a team with you? Hmm. Okay. So it is scary, and I could see how that would be scary to business leaders to put their key people out in the spotlight and really shine a spotlight on them. It does invite poaching, but we believe that if we're stewarding the organization Mm -hmm. correctly and we're meeting our commitments, our improvers are going to stay with us. Fabulous. So I'm assuming, I I realize this is a global show and we both live in Columbus, Ohio. Can you give us a few resources, conferences, groups, and also online resources so folks who are not here can still get access? Yeah, absolutely. So I would encourage you to go from a global perspective, go out to ConsciousCapitalism.org. Conscious Capitalism has more than 40 chapters around the world and they're operating in 14 countries. So there's a high probability that there's a chapter near you. Additionally, their team has been fantastic in spinning up local chapters continuously. In fact, Columbus, Ohio just recently spun up a local chapter. It's being headed by Improving and uh, StoryForge. Um, and the mm. two individuals that are heading that up is Jackie Bickle and Haley Boeing. They're having monthly events every third Thursday of the month. In fact, uh, there is a big one that's just happening. That's the CEO from IGS Energy, who's also a sponsor of the local chapter, uh, is happening tonight on uh, 621. So there's fantastic events and fast, fantastic things going on. And finally, There's a a couple of national conferences for conscious capitalism that I would encourage you to check out. And I will tell you, having experienced them multiple times, it is a fantastic group of individuals that are acting in a conscious manner. And simply being around them is incredibly energizing and and just a wonderful, wonderful place to learn and place to meet connections and build your network. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Mark. You're a fount of wisdom on this topic and and also a good friend. So I appreciate your sharing your insight and some of the challenges because I I trust that people listening don't want just the the storybook, it's all fabulous. But what kind of challenges do you have? And I think you talked about some of the things that were foundational and hearing your, your truth about it really makes this a very different and useful conversation. So thank you. For our listeners, I hope you heard something from Mark that will inspire you to go check out Conscious Capitalism, whether it's reading a book or a blog post or listening to more more interviews or joining a chapter. This is Maureen Metcalf, your host of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Please email me, info at metcalf-associates.com. I would love to hear what you're learning and how you're putting this into practice. We hope you listen in again next week. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then. Drive and thrive and have a great week.